Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bound. The last 12 months have been a hell of a journey for one British band. Having formed only three years ago, this indie rock band has already secured a Brit Award and been named the BBC Sound of 2024. Here to perform their hit single, Nothing Matters, it is The Last Dinner Party! The five-piece group has been in existence for just shy of three years, but in that time they've caused quite the racket, on and off stage. After a first gig in late 2021, the last dinner party signed with Island Records last year. Working with the highly acclaimed producer James Ford, their first single, Nothing Matters, became a massive hit. As mentioned by dear Graham Norton on the clip there, the group then went on to win a Brit Rising Star Award and were named the BBC Sound of 2024, all without having released an album. Until last Friday. Their debut LP, Prelude to Ecstasy, has finally, finally landed. And it doesn't disappoint. The last dinner party have created a sonic feast of hooky indie tunes, rich with literary influences, some classic rock stylings, and just the right amount of guitar soloing. In fact, Monocle on Culture's tennis racket needs restringing. If the sound is striking, the aesthetic of the band is similarly maximalist. There's a definite look to the last dinner party. It's frilly, it's baroque, and it's got more than a whiff of the gothic. The group, it seems, do not do anything by halves, and their music videos and lavish theatrical productions are testament to the fact. Just ahead of the album's release, I was really delighted to be joined in the studio by three of the band's five members. The Last Dinner Party's bass player, Georgia Davis, guitarist Lizzie Mayland, and vocalist Abigail Morris. So here's my conversation as I donned my finest ruffles and platforms and took my seat at the last dinner party's quite rowdy table. And Abigail, Georgia and Lizzie um, from the last dinner party are with me around the table here in Studio One. It's highly exciting. The album Prelude to Ecstasy came out last Friday, the 2nd of February. So we feel very lucky to have the hottest things, <laughs> the hottest things since sliced bread in the studio today. Welcome all since to the programme. Sliced toast. <laughs> sliced toast. We were talking about mixing our metaphors before. I will talk about this in the prime zone of the interview. <laughs> Worry <laughs> not. Nice. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've, been, you've already been quite hot on that. <laughs> I feel like I need to be very wary here of how I conduct myself. Yep. I've got so many things. I was making notes ahead of the interview. I've got loads of things written down, such as tour, sequencing, solos, which we love. We love a solo and just the word yay. So I don't know where to start. Why don't we start? You're just back from your American tour. It was kind of pre-Christmas, wasn't it? But we're kind of, you're freshish from that. That was your first, you've obviously toured the legs off yourselves before you even started cutting this LP, I understand. But tell us a bit about your first American tour. Where did you start? What did people wear? Vibe report, please. Mm. Who's, who's willing to take that on, for starters? We were so giddy. We were just like, <laughs> everything was amazing to us. It was like being aliens on another planet. Like we got there into Washington for the first, was the first like state mm-hmm. that we went to. And the first thing we saw 
was a yellow school bus. We've told the story so many times, but it made such an impression because we we were screaming in the van. Like, yeah. Yes, because you just see yeah. that on the yeah. television it's like you don't think it's it's real they have a guy with headphones on with long hair driving it yeah like yeah, yeah. <laughs> with exactly. the guitar yeah yeah smoking no manholes man. yeah yeah smoking manholes all the rest of it staring competition with the yeah. Statue of Liberty all of that stuff um, you played the Bowery Ballroom I mean, you played some wonderful uh, august venues on that tour that's right. I knew we were at an intellectual podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we hide our, our light under a bushel on this program. It's fine, and that's that's a wonderful thing. I've seen footage online of people singing choruses of songs that don't even exist yet. Well, in the public realm, they you do exist. Them up on the spot. <laughs> All right. So that's an amazing thing. This is a festival experience when people were singing singing the hit of the summer back to their idols on stage. But how does it feel when your your, your LP is only just out and was you know, four months? Or Way when it was when you were touring it in America, how does it feel when people are singing those those lines and choruses and giving you a lot of vibe back? It must be magical. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, really <laughs> really yeah the fact that people have sought out you know like unreleased versions of the songs mm. and YouTube videos. Obviously, shout out to Lou Smith as always mm-hmm. for getting some of our early gigs on YouTube. Mm. And yeah, from kind of the very beginning, there've been moments in songs that still aren't released, like Portrait of a Dead Girl. Yeah, um, people have always sung over and over again. Um, and they're just, yeah, more and more yeah. learning the words, which is exciting. And I'm really excited for the, all the songs to be released so we can just unleash, unleash all, all, of the, all of the rest of the lyrics to people and they can sing along to every word because yeah. it is the best feeling in the world, yeah. having people sing back. It's wonderful. It must, be, it must be magical. And you look like you're having such a lot of fun with it on stage as well. There is, there's kind of public vibes and then there's, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, I, I, it's a well, it, it looks like a, a, a fantastically well-oiled machine, but in a supremely kind of fun way. You started off, however, not in that space. I mean, I guess you've, you've done that Beatlesy thing of touring, touring the legs off these, these early songs before you got anywhere near a studio. Tell us about that. Tell us actually about how you guys met and with the other two members of the band and 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 then how it got together before you before there was a sniff of getting into a studio. We always like joke to each other about kind of changing our origin story every time someone asks. So I think I think we met at a sex party. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was fun. Uh, over the buffet table. <laughs> that wasn't a table. Oh, oh shit, shit, was that you? <laughs> Thought I recognised. I didn't want to say anything. Uh, no, we met at, at Freshers Week at university. <laughs> same same thing, really. Same thing. Is there a difference? Yes, zero difference. <laughs> Turns out, um, and became mates. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Down the pub.
cut long story short, then you are in the studio with James Ford, who produced Prelude to Ecstasy. I mean, obviously, he's done a million wonderful things. That's great. You're getting a lot of kind of you're leaning into a lot of learning with someone like that. How did that marriage of minds come together? What was the vibe in the studio? It seems good from listening to the <laughs> record, but, but tell me. Our manager had a kind of working relationship with him beforehand because yeah. he'd done some Falls records and stuff that she'd worked on before yeah. and was like, I know the guy. Yeah, no, right. don't worry about it. We got it. And we were like, okay. Didn't exactly need to shop around. Yeah, yeah, like, we just oh. met him. And then we were like, okay, yeah, you've made up our favourite records mm. of all time, so maybe you can... That'll work. Yeah, that'll do. No. <laughs> 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 have a crack at ass. <laughs> How many boxes have I got? You've got like four boxes. You've ticked three of them already. <laughs> yeah. And then settling on the sound of any record, but a debut record from a band that people obviously have been talking about for a year by this point, that's exciting. There's pressure pressure on it, as I know you know, and has been discussed a little bit too much, perhaps. But I want to ask you about cutting that record. Are you trying to capture the live sound, or are you trying to go into a different sort of sonic universe? That the basis of everything was the live yeah. sound, because yeah. that was obviously like <laughs> what was the best thing about because that was you know at the at the center of. Us, I feel like, you know, because we, we didn't really have a genre, mm. we, at least we didn't feel like we did and we didn't want to define, want to be like, our sound is this. Yeah. It was, you know, we just went in wanting to start by doing everything as if we were doing it live. So every track we started by just doing a run through with live drums and live instruments and then we would go in and overdub. Yeah. It was, yeah, I think it was more of like an enriching of what was already there mm. and sort of us being allowed to experiment and be confident in what we were doing and then James would just kind of go into his synth wizard world and right. add like you were talking about this the other yeah you were talking about this the other day Lizzie about like the specific thing that he did which was doubling some guitar lines yeah, with, in cinema, yeah. the main guitar lines in the choruses so yeah. he doubles with a synth um, which I think is how they sound so kind of like cutting and edgy yeah. so that's really cool that's one of the things he does wizardry. There are some amazing sound. I mean, it's such a dynamic sounding record. It jumps out of whatever you're listening to it on. I think it's 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 a stunning thing. To me, it's coming from some sort of classic rock. It's got some sort of classic rock backbone, which I love. But it's got so much contemporary stuff. It's kind of looking down the wrong end of the telescope into the future as well. It's kind of like an amazing, lovely thing. I've got the uh, t-shirts uh, printed now. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> And so that and that is that's obviously something that gets discussed. That's sort of something that gets fine tuned. Did you? I don't want to talk you into a corner here with inspirations and stuff like that. But did did you? Were there were there records that you were listening to in the lead up to it? There must be lots of stuff that you're obviously listening to as students after leaving, after touring, all the rest of it. Stuff for fun, stuff for kind of work, as it were. You know what I mean? Stuff to get into the vibe Research. of. Research. What were those? What were some of those things? If I may ask. Oh, damn. Uh, Nine Inch Nails for yeah. Lady of Mercy. All the songs kind of had different, very specific influences. And then there's kind of just an overarching dinner party sound of all yeah. the things, which like David Bowie, Queen, Kate Bush, Florence, yeah. Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails uh, was, was that for Lady of Mercy. Yeah. LCD Sound System for Sinner. Yeah. yeah. St. Vincent. Um, St. Vincent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Throughout. Throughout, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ad ad nauseum. But ad no one, like, I don't think anyone can go through this record and, put, and kind of pin tales on musical donkeys it's not like that in no, any way whatsoever there's it's it's just a lovely full kind of operatic rococo kind of euphoric thing it's mm. it's it's congratulations <laughs> thank you um i should say that at the beginning so said, said it 12 yeah, minutes waiting. in yeah. Yeah. this guy's a real dick yeah. Yeah. um so you mentioned florence there you you supported her and lana del rey first aid kit 
a little beat combo called the Rolling Stones, I believe. Yeah. So what's, what are you learning? <laughs> yeah, they might go they, they stick at it. Looking down the wrong end, talking, looking down the wrong end. <laughs> yeah. um, so what what rubs off when you when you play these huge venues with big stars like that? What what do you think rubbed off on you guys, if anything? Apart from, obviously, the requirement for huge and ever-increasing riders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, of As we've seen it. to our cost. Yeah. One more yeah. obnoxious. <laughs> I was saying this the other day to someone specifically talking about Florence and Andrew, who's mm. Hosier, to the, to the listener, is I feel like what made them... They've, I feel like those two especially made the most impact on us mm. because out of everyone we've met who are famous and prolific and inspiring and intimidating, both of them are so humble and down to earth and relaxed and they don't they're very gorgeous and charismatic and charming people but they don't have that like air of like I am a big person in this room and I'm going to make you feel small I think talking to both of them it makes you think that like oh you know when we get to that point in our careers hopefully if we're lucky enough I hope that we retain that level of like making everyone you speak to feel listened to Mm. and interested and interesting and yeah just being grounded and I think that that's kind of the most interesting things that we've I think experienced from meeting celebs that's great celebs (laughs) that's what I'm calling well kind of heroes though right I suppose nah just celebs yes celebs (laughs) Uh, it's nice if you can wear your learning lightly in in that way and be charming and be present and you're right that's what people remember right Mm. I kind of wanted you to sort of say I just, just learned to tell to be very demanding. Um, no, we, we did that, that all from, on our own. Got that from Mick. <laughs> didn't, yeah, we yeah. didn't need that. <laughs> like, I'm so natural. <laughs> yeah. So natural. You are obviously super well known for your, your aesthetic, your visuals, your videos, how you look on stage, which, cha- which you change up a lot. But I wanted to talk about the video for Caesar of the TV screen, on which you take on no small thing, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. So hang on, I had to write this down because I couldn't quite figure out it. So Abigail, you're Caesar. Georgia, you're Brutus, mm-hmm. and Lizzie, you're Cassius. Yeah. Now, how did you choose these roles, and what do we discern? What does our two listeners? <laughs> thanks for nothing, Abigail. What do our two? What do our listeners discern from the roles you picked? It was a long, arduous audition process. <laughs> a lot, lot yeah. of backstabbing, actually, yeah. as it happens. Uh, a lot yeah. of tears. Mm. A lot of um, drama <laughs> mums <laughs> coming <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah, it was really... It was quite intense. Yeah. yeah. But we made it through. So you get a platform from which to orate. Yes. Uh, that's good. I did. Well, I like your hair. I like your hair in the video. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, wanna, I can't really do that for a night out, but because it's I can't. I would need to uh, pay Hannah to do it. Yeah. Well, you could. But yeah. Um, yeah, I would like to rock that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. To- to- togas, togas. You're also wearing the kind of Roman legionary mm. thing. With one... a suit. And a suit. Mm. Which and was a suit, inspired yes. by Julie Taymor's Titus. Oh. Was it? Yes, I think it's that one, which is a really brilliant <laughs> film. And I remember, like, that was one of the main inspirations for the music video when we were thinking about costume and styling because it's a version of, of Titus Andronicus. Yeah. And it's set in sort of, like, fascist Italy. Oh, and nice. they do all the senators in robes over suits. And I was like, that's brilliant. I love that. That's so that's, that's where that came from. I love it. See, I, there was an open paperback in the green room before you came in and I saw the green the green spine of a Penguin Classic. Mm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't inquire, but I wish I had done. We should have been called the Penguin Classic. <laughs> <laughs>
as previously discussed, yay was one of my things, but I can't remember what that was. I think it was just the aesthetic. The garnish <laughs> This is good research. <laughs> and it's rare to have five people that can all agree on a, a visual, an aesthetic style and a musical style. There's a lot of styles going on mm-hmm. in, in, in the last dinner party. Did that all kind of click in the early days? That all just kind of click with the live, the live stuff, then the studio stuff? You're obviously all mates and you hang together wonderfully as an interview. <laughs> but stuff clicking is rare amongst kind of a songwriting partnership of two people or whatever or whatever else. So that is a wonderful plate to keep spinning. How does yeah. the, Did that just happen sort of early doors and it became an inevitability? I think especially with the style, but also with the music, I guess you can extend this to. It's like it's style, not a uniform. Mm. So like everyone within the kind of band has the freedom to express their own individuality within the kind of overarching aesthetic that we set out to do. So like you I'd can like play... to point out, ladies and gentlemen, she's reading this off her pre pre Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I, like I just yeah. <laughs> like so it's sorry, not yeah. it's not uniform. We're not line. like we're not it all it's in not a benevolent boiler suits or, you know, like something that's yeah. like very difficult to distinguish us from each other. Like within that we each have our own very unique and individual styles. We kind of play with different gender representations mm. and and we can combine like a Victorian corset with a glam rock thing and they can both work on the same stage yeah. equally with Baroque elements and music combined with like a dad rock guitar solo. Mm. Like it's it's stylistic <laughs> but not not um committed to uniformity at all. It's actually yeah. much more freeing than that because you within this band musically and aesthetically you can combine anything and it just somehow works mm. yeah. yeah it's funny that <laughs> yeah I think also because from the beginning like we when we were thinking about uh what we'd be as a five piece the idea was sort of like you know almost it the the story of the band is almost having five distinct characters you know and we're not we're not we're not we're not putting on an act and it's not like you mm. know the Spice Girls but it's sort of like the idea was sort of you know you could have a favorite you know because we're all different mm. but you know coexisting together and it's sort of no one is uh there's no hierarchy yeah. and it's just sort yeah. of like five individual characters that are sort of yeah existing symbiotically mm. in, in i like it symbiotically. <laughs> your instruments are great people have obviously drawn attention to the flying v guitar mm-hmm. you're like the keyboard guitar thing <laughs> yeah. what's that called they might here. they might edit that to make it look like i knew what i was talking about <laughs> so i'm gonna say keytar with confidence and then oh you mean a keytar yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh interesting there you go have that for free i'll start calling it that um that's that must be fun picking out those instruments right i mean that everyone wants to play a flying v don't they You've got to have the skills. You've got to yeah. have the, the the vibe as well. Like mm. I feel like a lot of people don't have the the confidence because they're not. It's not cool. It's not trendy to play a flying V. Yeah. it's like it is now. But Emily you know, puts it on. Now. It is yeah. now. Emily just... Big Balls Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. she's knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't really sit in front of a Steinway and do chopsticks, can you? No, it has yeah. to be. You have to have. You got to have to meet it halfway. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I hope people can pick out the noise that the keytar makes in Lady of Mercy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to make it for us, Lizzie? No, so no, Do you no, no, that's a, no, no, that's okay. Well, how are they going to know what it's? Um, well, it's just it's yeah, gnarly. Hum it, hum it. Just ju- uh, yeah, I can't <laughs> even. <laughs> All right, okay, no, yeah, I guess you can. It's like an engine rev. Yeah. yeah, literally. If you listen to the Lady of Mercy track and find the like, try and hear the most gnarly sounds. That's what the keytar's doing. It's a game for the listeners at home. <laughs> yeah, in this, as we've discussed, it's got such. There is such a lot in this record. 
the loud and quiet, the dynamic, and the, from the pastoral and, and and the sort of romantic to the properly rock and roll, including and this was something I underlined solos, mm. yay. Um, <laughs> that I feel that from you guys that you just love love a guitar solo yeah. on like a yeah. kind of on what well, why not right Fuck bring it yeah. back bring like, it absolutely back. when you have the best guitarist in the UK near the world in your yeah. band you're gonna whip her out at every opportunity yeah. yeah also like some of my favorite things about like you know loving records growing up was like singing along yeah words whatever but then singing every note <laughs> yeah. of a guitar yeah. solo yeah. is actually yeah. so fun no one does yeah. that yeah. 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 To have a guitar solo, I feel like people get like people in rock these days get so serious and like oh, no one wants to yeah. do a guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, less what? serious. Yeah, people. come on, have some fun. <laughs> Listen up, boys. What are tennis rackets for? <laughs> <laughs> So also some of the records, Beautiful Boy is wonderful. The piano figures and the harmonies. It's got a very, it's a very confidently constructed song that. It's beautiful, as so much is. That seems sort of very unhurried and confident, as mm. I say. That's tough to do on your first LP. That's f- tough after existing for, what, two and a half years? Am I right? That's about as long as you guys yeah. have been around mm-hmm. for. Yeah, more or less, yeah. Is that, in terms of... You want to put the kind of cart before the horse. You want to rush to the end of it. You want to show off what you know kind of thing, I think, on the debut LP. This has got such a lot of clever sequencing about it. Or maybe it's just literally the songs sound best in this order because we know because we play them live That's in this order. How, how does that work, the sequencing of it? But literally, it's just the set list that we played. Yeah. And I think it's funny because it, it, it doesn't feel... It didn't feel hard or bold to do something like have a quiet piano song in the middle of the mm. record. It just made total sense also because all most of the songs come from piano demos mm. and beautiful boy was a piano demo that didn't that just sort of you know stay kept a lot of its original you know thing and it doesn't feel like weird or experimental to do that no. um, and yeah the sequencing is literally just like we were like oh let's put the quiet ones together because that's yeah. like the lull of the set and then we'll go back up again you know it just yeah. it makes sense uh, I think that's also emotionally. The, yeah the beauty of having such a varied sound world as mm. well is that like any idea that we have for a song we can kind of take that to the furthest version of itself in whatever direction that is your Instagram is a place of um, rich rewards. Very amusing. <laughs> Whoever writes that. No one ever notices. <laughs> it's really good. Thanks. We're always told it's not. As yeah. happy <laughs> this year, last year, 2023, was as happy, I quote, as happy and as full as a tick falling off the back of a deer. Thanks. Someone's, <laughs> on, someone's on drugs. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's poetic. It's no one's having fun with it. I'm going to say that next time you say something out of topic yeah. or like what? a bit too creative. Get a load of this. Someone's on fucking And describing one's year as being full of blood as one satiated like a tick. It's nice. It's pastoral. It's very pastoral. Yeah. Uh, are you going to make a sort of triple triple album prog masterpiece uh, in about 10 years' time? 
And Five. Okay, yeah. few, yeah. good. That's, yeah. that's next. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Also, if, I'd urge the <laughs> listener to check out our Twitter. If, if you liked our Instagram, yeah. you will <laughs> love Twitter. Okay. So I think it's even more rich in... Um, yes. Quips. Character, yeah, very character, very character yeah. driven, sure. personality, yeah. personality led, horrible personality, intellectual, really, really <laughs> deeply horrendous. <laughs> we won't tell you. We won't tell you which one of us runs that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love everything about Prelude to Ecstasy. Um, congratulations on a brilliant last year. As full as ticks as you obviously yes. were, you feel you seem refreshed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you seem refreshed for twenty. To drop horrible. Oh, God. Oh, I'm hungry now. God. Stop being gross. Um, uh, the last dinner party. Congratulations on a wonderful LP and bon chance for 2024. It's wonderful. Merci. Thank you. Bye. 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 Goodbye. And that is it for this week. My thanks to Abigail, Georgia and Lizzie from The Last Dinner Party. And Prelude to Ecstasy is out now and it is excellent. Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chungu. And Steph also edits the show. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, from me, Robert Bounds, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>